Well, hey everybody, welcome to week number one of a brand new preaching series we're calling Wind and Fire. I am so excited that you're along for the ride this weekend. I almost called this series Earth, Wind, and Fire, but I wanted y'all to think I was still saved, so I, I didn't call it Earth, Wind, and Fire, though I could. Uh, we're going to talk all about, in the next couple of weeks together, we're going to talk about the Holy Spirit. I'll get into that in just a moment. Let me say thanks again for being uh, here with us this weekend. Uh, wherever you're joining us from, you're a part of our family. You mean the world to us. I have a few folks uh, with me in church today, but I, you're in church with us wherever you are, around your kitchen table, in your living room, maybe even in the bedroom, still in bed, just watching on your phone, wherever you are today. So glad you're along for the ride. So I really wanted to bring this message series to you. Even before this pandemic and before the season that we were in, I knew we were entering 21 days of prayer and fasting. Uh, to, matter of fact, today is day one of 21 days of prayer. I'll get to all of that in just a few minutes. But I wanted to bring you a series uh, just on the Holy Spirit. I haven't brought a series exclusively about the Holy Spirit in a couple of years. And, and I also wanted to bring you a study of the book of Acts. But I do a few book studies uh, throughout the year, and I didn't just want to do the book of Acts. And I didn't just want to do the Holy Spirit. So we're going to kind of merge these two together. So you're going to have to just be along for the ride. I, I want to know uh, the Holy Spirit's power in your life. I want to talk about the presence of God, the promise of the Holy Spirit, His involvement in your life, in my life, and His involvement in our church and in the early church. And if we're going to do that, we're going to have to sort of walk through the book of Acts. It's actually called the Acts of the Apostles, and, and it sort of goes through the birth of the church of Jesus Christ and its first several years and how it really did turn the world upside down. And I want to study that. I want to know how they thought. I want to know uh, how, how, what they did and the revival that they saw and the miracles that they experienced and, and the gifts of the Spirit that they had and the strategies that they used. Like I just, we've always strived to be a book of Acts kind of church. And so I think we need to study what the book of Acts kind of church is and how we can have and how you can have that same experience and that same power. And, and if you don't catch anything else uh, in this opening message of this series, I want you to catch this. I want you to have what they had. I really want us to have, as a church, what they had. I want us to have the kind of revival, the kind of city-shaking kind of move of God that you'll find all in the book of Acts. And so as we sort of dive in over the next couple of weeks through this study of the Holy Spirit and the study of the book of Acts, I want you to be thinking, man, I, I want this in my life. I want this in my church. I want this for our church. I want that to be who we are. What, one of the things this pandemic has taught me, I don't know if it's taught you this, is what I need and what I don't need. Like the, the essentials, you know what I mean? We've talked a ton about who's essential and who's not essential and why you're essential and why I'm not essential and a couple of things I found essential, like toilet paper and you know, stuff I couldn't live without, and then some stuff I could live without. I just think we kind of stripped a lot of things down to the basics, and that's really what I want to do over the course of this next several weeks together in this series. I, I, want, to go, I want to go back to the basics. I want to talk about the fundamentals of Christianity, what it means to be a spirit-filled church, and what it means in your life to be a spirit-filled believer, and how... Being a book of Acts spirit-filled church and a book of Acts spirit-filled believer is really what I think the antidote to where we are as, as a nation and maybe as, as the world together. Uh, what I think really the world needs more than anything else right now is that kind of experience. And I hope that you're 
that you'll stay with us for the next couple of weeks. I hope you'll stay along for the ride. So the Acts Church is the bridge between the Gospels that talk about the life of Christ and the Epistles. It's the bridge in between. So if you're new to the Bible, the Gospels are, are, are sort of end in history at 33 AD, at, at the crucifixion, resurrection of Jesus. And the epistles don't pick up, the writings uh, to the church uh, don't pick up until 49 AD. So from 33 to 49 is where the book of Acts kind of, in, in history, it's where you'll find it. The gospels describe the life of Jesus. The epistles describe the Christian life. And Acts is sort of the spread the, the, the connection, the elastic connection between Jesus on earth and the Holy Spirit inside of us. Are you there, everybody? You understand what I'm trying to say? So there's this, it's, this, it's the fire, it's the foundation, it's that, it's that gap between that really answers the question is what do we do when Jesus is not here with us personally anymore? When he's not on the earth, that's the gospels, that's all about the life of Christ and how he lived, the miracles he performed, him walking with humanity. And now him not here and living inside of us, what, what's that look like in between? And that's the book of Acts. It really goes from God with us to God in us. If you're taking notes, write that down. It goes from God with us in Jesus to God in us in the Holy Spirit. And I'm going to give you the theme verse for our next couple of weeks uh, together, but I'm not going to preach this passage, so don't get all excited because I know this is the one that everybody thinks we're going to talk about, and we're going to talk about it. Just not today in this foundation. Acts, the second chapter, the first verse. Acts 2 and 1 says this. When the day of Pentecost came, uh, Pentecost is a Jewish feast, uh, 50 days after Passover. So Pentecost is a, a feast, that, and, and, and the Bible says the day of Pentecost completely came. In other words, it was the day of the feast of Pentecost. that They were all together in one place. All the disciples had gone back to the same place. We'll talk about that in just a couple of minutes. And suddenly a sound like, underline this in your Bible, a violent wind came from heaven, filled the whole house. Let me pause here and just say it didn't fill the whole church building. It didn't fill the whole portable place they were. didn't fill the whole movie theater. didn't fill the whole conference center. didn't fill the whole stained glass. didn't fill all the pews they were in. They were just in a house, sitting, by the way, not standing and having church and doing what you and I think is church. They were just in a house sitting. And a wind from heaven came, filled all the house where they were sitting. And they saw what seemed to be tongues as... Underline this in your Bible, a fire. There's wind and there's fire. It's separated, came to rest on each of them. And all of them, here's the operative phrase, really, what, this is really my prayer, my deepest prayer for you and for our church over the next couple of weeks as we walk through this study together. The Bible says they were all filled with the Holy Spirit, began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. Wind and fire. And we're going to get to the speaking in tongues part. I know that's a part everybody, that's where everybody sort of focuses in on when you read uh, the book of Acts, especially Acts, the second chapter. We'll get to all of that in due time. But I want every person in our church, I want every person in church online, I want everybody who calls this place home, I want you to know unequivocally where you are in your house today that it is God's divine plan for your life that everyone, the Bible says, all of them were filled with the Holy Spirit. And if you're looking for the antidote to where we are, let me just get right to the punchline of where we are as a country. Let me tell you what we need the most is that right there. We need the infilling of the Holy Spirit. What it means to love people like Jesus did. You can't do that on your own. You need the Holy Spirit. How do you fix 
a, a hatred and a divided country and discrimination and superiority. How do you fix that? You don't fix that with legislation. It's never been skin. It's always been sin. you gotta, you got to have the Holy Spirit living on the inside of you that gives you that supernatural love. Do you understand? Say amen. I understand. I need the Holy Spirit. We're going to talk about the Holy Spirit's action in your lives over the next couple of weeks. And it really is the headspring, sort of the origin of what we call a life-giving experience with Jesus. We, we talk about that a lot at our church. This is a life-giving church. Well, what, do you, what do you mean life-giving? How is something life-giving? You, you only know it is when you've been somewhere that isn't. <laughs> you ever been to a church that sucks the life right out of you? You know what I mean? And, and then it's really obvious it's, I like to say it this way. It's like a breath of fresh air. It's, just, it's that thing that you just know. It's wind in your sails. It lifts you up. And, and, and honestly, this is what, the reason I, I had to bring this to you, and I think God gave it to me a lot of months ago before we ever got where we are, is that's what we need. I need wind back in my sails. Maybe you've lived the last five or six months feeling like the wind's out of your sails feeling like you're lost and drifting and what are we going to do and how's this going to work and I don't know what's happening. The world seems like it's gone crazy overnight and it has. What do, what do you need to sustain you? How do we get through this? How do we not just rebuild? But how do I just survive this? Let me tell you how. It's that wind in your cells, breath of fresh air, encounter with the Holy Spirit in your life. And so I want to talk about that over the next couple of weeks. And I want you to know unequivocally, that's my prayer for you, is that you experience that kind of relationship with God, that acts relationship that fills the whole, it feels like wind in your sails and fire that sets on you. Say amen to that, everybody. Now, I'm not sure what you think about when you think about the Holy Spirit. When we talk about God, I think a lot of people have a misconception. And really, it's just, it's bad theology, a lot of it. And it's because you saw something on TV or you heard somebody or you had an aunt that somebody said something and they went to that weird church and you don't know if snakes are next or you don't have a clue what's happening and you don't know what's going on. And I think when people talk about God, they're okay understanding God as a father. That makes sense. I have a father. I understand. I can relate to him. It's a comforting thought to think of God as my father. I think you understand that Jesus is the son of the living God. I think it makes sense to understand Savior of the world. Jesus is God come to us, God with flesh on. I think that makes sense to everybody, Father and Son. But when you start talking about the Holy Spirit, or some translations even call it the Holy Ghost, you say, I don't know about that. I'm, 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 I was down on Father and I'm good with Son. I don't know about Spirit and ghosts. I don't do, I don't do ghosts. I don't do Spirit. Sounds weird. I don't know if I can get on board with all of that. And, and I think there's a real disconnect. And a lot of Christianity about spiritual things, specifically the doctrine of the Holy Spirit, the person of the Holy Spirit, and who He is and how He operates. And, and really the gift and the promise and the blessing, the power and the presence of the Holy Spirit, and how it translates to a Spirit-filled church like this one. And a lot of it has to do, I'm going to be honest with you, with just bad translation. It just has to do with English. I always say we're going to talk, we're going to speak Spanish in heaven. I don't know if that's true, but I kind of think it is. And I evolved that theology out of, I think we're eating tacos at the marriage supper of the lamb. And so it's got to be Spanish anyways, different message series. But I, English translators of the Bible, really, it's not the best for us to talk about the Holy Spirit and, the, and, the, and or a Holy Ghost 
because it's just the wrong word. You do realize the Bible wasn't translated in England by like Shakespeare, right? You understand that? A bunch of guys running around in white powdered wigs. That wasn't it. It, it happened in the Middle East, and the central characters would speak primarily three languages in the Bible. Hebrew, Aramaic was sort of a, a, a dialect. That's what Jesus would speak, a dialect uh, in the Middle East, a vernacular, a normal vernacular. And then in the New Testament, Greek. Uh, and so those are the three languages. So when you want to really know what God's saying in the Bible, you need to go back to, we're not, go, we're not just relying on English to do that for us. Let's go see what he really meant. So when you get to word spirit in the Bible or ghost in some translations, Holy Spirit or Holy Ghost in the Bible, uh, uh, you get confused really fast by the word spirit and ghost. It's mentioned eight, over 800 times in Scripture. This same word is translated spirit or ghost, but the truth is neither of those words are really accurate. Ghost and spirit are just not the best way to understand uh, this, the, the person of the Holy Spirit. It's, just, it's, just, it's the only word we had in English, but it's not the best. The translators did the best they could, and they translated it spirit or ghost, but it really is this. Write this in your notes. It's really the Hebrew word ruach, R-U-W-A-C-H. You may do something with your throat. Uh, I don't know. Ruach, and honestly, further than the word, it, it means a wind or a breath or a blast of breath. Honestly, it's more than a word. In Hebrew, ruach really is, it's the action of the wind more than it is the word wind. Are you understanding that? It's, it's literally, so when the Bible talks about the Holy Spirit, what it means is the Holy well, that doesn't translate very well, <laughs> you know. you gotta, you got to find a word to put in there and say, well, this is what that meant there. But it's, it, if you had a Hebrew lexicon, this is what it is. It's, the, it's literally, listen, the very breath, the wind the, of God in your life. And it's, it's that way all throughout the Bible. Matter of fact, the beginning of the Bible, Genesis, the first chapter, Genesis 1 and 2, says the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep, and the, the Spirit of God was hovering over the waters. A wind that was, a matter of fact, some translations call it a violent wind. The breath of God is over the darkness of, of, of creation now. And, now. and now God speaks the world into existence, and the breath of God is powerful enough to create things that aren't as though they are. It's the same power Listen, it's the same power that created everything that can blow you out of your lifeless Christianity and this dead, cold, dry, powerless living and an anxiety-filled life from a pandemic locked up for six months. Yeah. Can I get a better amen than that, everybody? It's, it's literally the, it's the, it's the breath of God. In Greek, it's pneuma, pneuma, where we get the word pneumonia, breath, breath. It's a, it's a current of air, a blast of breath, a strong breeze. It's honestly not spirit or ghost because a lot of people, like if you grew up churchy like me, it's Holy Ghost. If you grew up where I am now where I button my coat, it's Holy Spirit. But it's really neither. It's really the, it's, it's wind, it's breath. It's, it's God breathing wind back into your sails. And I think if you'll understand that, you can get on board with the, the Holy Spirit a whole lot more something you saw on TV or something you heard somebody say, it's really God wanting to breathe into you. Jesus says it like this in John 6, 63. He says, the Spirit gives life. Write that down in your notes. The Spirit gives life. 
and the flesh counts for nothing. In other words, I can't really do anything on my own. If I could, I would do it. If I could have fixed me, saved me, brought myself out of addiction, brought myself out of my own sin, if I could have done all of that, I would have, but I can't. So I need God's breath, the Spirit, to give me life. And then, and it's Jesus talking here. He says, the words I've spoken to you are spirit and their life. In other words, you can find the presence and, and the breath of God in God's word, in the Bible. It's not just a, a good collection of stories or narratives together. No, it's the breath of God speaking to you and breathing life back into you. It gives you life. And honestly, I think this is what we need more than anything else in the world right now. There's a whole lot of people with solutions. There's a whole lot of Facebook doctors. There's a whole lot of Facebook critics. And everybody's got the right idea about what we should do next. Let me tell you what. I think what we need more than anything is a breath of fresh air from Almighty God in our cells. I just need it. It'll pull us out of our rut. It'll pull you out of depression and out of anxiety and out of fear and out of worry. It'll pull you out of the doldrums, that place where you don't know, I don't even know, that no, no winds blowing in my life. There's just nothing moving and I don't know what's going to happen. We need a current of wind to sort of blow us out of this season. And I think it's the Holy Spirit say a better amen than that. All right. I got a ton to preach to you over the next couple of weeks. You can tell I'm a little fired up about that's why I got my preaching coat on. <laughs> and I'm, I'm going to get to it. I'm going to talk about what it means to be a church and a believer that's filled with the Holy Spirit. But I want to start at the beginning because it's week one and I always like to give you a good foundation. Uh, especially as we head into a book study like the book of Acts. And, and I want to start right at the beginning. Acts starts at the close of the book of Luke. Okay, so if, if, if you're new to Bible study, uh, the book of Acts opens where the book of Luke closes. And it's because Luke, who's a physician, wrote the book of Acts, right? So we could have called this Luke Two, or you know, like this is the sequel to Luke. Luke is still telling the story in the gospel according to Luke. He's telling the story of Jesus and his ministry on the earth. In the Acts of the Apostles, Luke is telling the birth and the story of the first church. And so here we are. It's after the resurrection. The book of Acts opens up after the resurrection. After Jesus has appeared and disappeared, you know, he played the <laughs> disappearing game, walking through walls and whatnot uh, a couple of times. And here's the reason I think he did that, by the way. I think he's preparing the disciples to believe even when they couldn't physically see him. Yeah. Right? I think, I think there's, there's, there's some strategy to I'm here, I'm not here. Appear and disappear. I just want you to know you can feel my presence. Because in just a few days, Jesus is now taken back to heaven to the right hand of the Father. And now he says to do something when they're there. Matter of fact, let's jump there. Acts, the first chapter. Let's start right at the beginning. Verse 4 says, On one occasion, while he was eating with them, Jesus is eating with his disciples. He gave them this command. Catch this language. Do not leave Jerusalem, but wait. Underline, but wait in your Bible. But wait for the gift that my Father has promised which you have heard me speak about. Don't leave Jerusalem, guys. I'm not going to be here much longer, but I want you to stay right where we are. He, Jesus ascends on the Mount of Olives. He ascends just outside of the city of Jerusalem. And he says, do not leave Jerusalem. I want you to wait for the gift, for the promise that, uh, th that my Father has for you. Let me ask you a quick question. What do you do while you wait? What do you do in the waiting? 
What do you do in the waiting? Write this in your notes. Your waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. Your waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. As a matter of fact, I think some of the most profound things that God wants to do in your life are in seasons of waiting. I literally hate to wait. I've gotten to the point, I've finally, I've joined the club where I've downloaded every fast food app on my phone <laughs> so that I can, part of it's for the points because I want to get the free stuff. But the, the, the big thing is in this pandemic, I don't want to sit in the drive through line with all of y'all. I want to go right to the curbside and I want to pick up, I'm really talking about Chick-fil-A, I said all the other fast food, but I'm talking about one place. And I want to go pick it right, I don't, I don't want to wait for it. I want, to, I want it to be there. I don't want, I am, I, this is how bad I am. This is, I'm like, I'm confessing to you. If, if it can't be delivered on Prime in two days, I don't want it. I literally, I'm now angry if Amazon is later. My expectations are, it may be here tomorrow. <laughs> like, I want it right now. You know what I mean? I just don't want to wait on any of it. I hate a waiting season. The truth of the matter is a lot of us have been in a waiting season. You may have spent the last five or six months in a waiting season. And I want you to hear me today that your waiting season doesn't have to be a wasted season. That the shutdown doesn't mean that you're shut out of the promises of God in your life. That because things are shut down doesn't mean you've got to shut up in what God wants for your life. That you still have purpose. That you can get up even in the middle of a shutdown. You need to type amen to that. That you can get up in the middle of a shutdown. Matter of fact, you can get up and put pants on. You can put real clothes on. You can really go out. You can really grab your life again. Matter of fact, I'm pulling you out this August. I, let me pull you back out. And that's really, <coughs> that's really what this series is all about. Is pulling you out of. That place where you feel like, I, I don't know, I don't know if I can go any longer. No, you can go, you just need a breath of fresh air. You need that encounter with the Holy Spirit. My friend, uh, Pastor Jeremy Foster, preaches it like this. you got to work your weight. You, you, matter of fact, you need to watch his message series uh, called Work Your Weight. you got to work your weight. you got to work your weight. The disciples weren't just going to wait. Jesus says, don't leave Jerusalem. Stay there. I want you to wait for the promise of my father. But they didn't just stay there and do nothing. They were going to work while they wait. And really, this is a biblical principle more than just the book of Acts. Catch this in Isaiah. I know you've quoted this a hundred times. I've quoted it a hundred times in my life. Isaiah 40, 31 says, But those who wait on the Lord shall renew their strength, and they'll mount up with wings like eagles, and they'll run and not be weary, and they'll walk and not faint. Are you catching all this? Those that do what? Wait. Those that wait on the Lord. Here's what happens. They get renewed strength. Okay. I'm still waiting. I've got strength. Now what happens? If you want to have renewed strength, you've got to work in your weight. Because Isaiah doesn't say just sit right there. You're just go Everything's going to be okay. You're going to get new supernatural strength. No. It said you're going to have to mount up with wings like eagles. You may have to jump off a cliff. So, don't, not really. But you may have to do some mounting up, everybody. You know what I'm saying? It says you will run and not grow weary. So there's running in the waiting. And then he said walk and you won't faint. So there's walking in the waiting. Listen to me. you got to work your weight. 
There's something you're supposed to be doing while you're waiting. You're not just waiting around hoping things come together. I hope you hadn't spent the last five or six months. And if you have, let this be your wake-up call. i gotta, I got to quit just sitting here waiting on something else to open up or God to just supernaturally, and He can. And I'm not saying that, that's, that, that He won't do that. I'm just saying you got to learn to work while you wait. Say amen to that. And disciples, He said, I want you to go back to Jerusalem and I want you to wait there, back to Acts, the first chapter. Jesus gives this command. Go back. Wait for the promise of the Father. Verse 5. For John baptized with water, but in a few days you'll be baptized with the Holy Spirit. Skip down a little bit to verse 12. Then the apostles returned to Jerusalem from the hill called Mount Olives. So Jesus has now ascended back to heaven. And it's about a Sabbath day walk, which is about half a mile from the city of Jerusalem. And when they arrived... They went upstairs to the room where they were staying. Most scholars believe it could have been the same room that they had had the Last Supper with Jesus. By the way, there's a lot of Bible that happens here that I'm not telling you. Like when Jesus is now brought back to heaven, when he, when, when he's, when he ascends back to heaven, there's about 500 people there. And when they get back to the upper room, there's about 120 people there. Not everybody who started this pandemic with you will be with you on your way out of it. Not everybody, not everybody who's been with you so far can go with you to the next level. If, if they could leave you, they weren't meant for you. You ought to say an amen to that. If they could leave, they weren't, meant, they weren't part of your destiny. And so 500 are there, about 120 make it back. Verse 14, and they all joined together, here's the point, constantly in prayer. What do you do while you wait in the upper room? What do you do when you're anticipating this supernatural move of God, this wind and fire that Jesus said that the Father would send in His name? What do you do? While you're waiting on this, the Bible said they, when they got to the upper room, they waited in prayer. As we study the book of Acts, church, and we study what it means to be baptized and filled with the Holy Spirit in your life. And as we study what it means to be a miracle kind of church and an on-fire church and a miracle-seeing church and a dead-raising, blind-eye-opening kind of church, listen we got to go all the way back where it started. Write this in your notes. This is the last thing i got to tell you today. The church of Jesus Christ didn't start in a church service. It started in a prayer meeting. The church of Jesus Christ didn't start in a church service. It started in a prayer meeting. If you're going to experience all that God has for your life and for your marriage, for your family, for your thought life, for your mind, for your ministry, for the purpose of God in your life. It has to have the same foundation that the book of Acts church started with. And it's prayer. If our church, listen close. If we're going to be a book of Acts church. If we're going to see what they saw. If we're going to shake our city and the hill country. And our neighbors and our family and our co-workers. If, if we're going to have that kind of revival. It's going to be because we are a church that's committed to the same thing. That the book of Acts church started with. It didn't start in a church service. I love church services. I can't wait till we're back together in a church service altogether. It's happening very soon. But it started in a prayer meeting. It started with prayer. Write this in your notes. Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. 
Prayer is our first response, not our last resort. The power of the upper room, the power of the Holy Spirit, the power of the first century church, the power of the apostles working miracles, the power of the world-shaking revival in the book of Acts started with prayer, and it's going to be prayer for us. Prayer is the beginning of every great revival in our country, in our city, in our church, in our families, and in me and in you. Prayer is the foundation of every great revival. It's what began the first century church, and it's what will sustain that kind of revival again. That's why today we're kicking off 21 days together, going after God, not in a church service, and I miss church services, and I can't wait till we're back, but that's not where we start we got to start in prayer. That's why we kick off 21 days of prayer and fasting together. Every January and every August, these two seasons of the year where things change in our life, there's natural ebb and flow in our life. School's starting back, and I know it's starting back differently, and I know things are strange right now. Things are opening back up. But every January and every August, we just decide we're going to come together and give ourselves to prayer. And I'm inviting you, as a matter of fact, tomorrow morning, Monday morning, Monday through Friday for the next three weeks at 6 a.m. And Saturday for the next three Saturdays at 9 a.m. Monday through Friday at 6. Saturday at 9 a.m. We gather for prayer. It's a prayer meeting. Somebody said, Pastor, I really miss being in church together with people. Well, you've got 21 times to do it this month. We're about to be together a whole lot. We'll meet at our ministry center at 6 o'clock in the morning. I'll be there. Coffee will be ready. We're going to pray together. We're going to go after God. We'll have worship together. We'll open God's word together. And then we're going to pray together. And I'm asking you to join me for an in-person service. I'm, I'm asking you to join me in fasting. We rarely fast in, in the August. Uh, as a matter of fact, we usually talk about the 21 days of prayer and feasting in August. But I just think in this season, we need it. I need it. I think our country needs it. I think you need it. I think... Our church needs it in this season. We need a season of, of fasting together. And I'm calling the whole church to corporate fast. As a matter of fact, on our website today at cityhillstx.com slash 21 days, you'll find the fast that we're doing today, right after church online. We're going to start fasting some social media and entertainment and news. I want you to turn off the flow of negativity in your life for the next seven days. I need it. You need it. I, I need to just cleanse my mind. Come on, fasting disconnects me from the world. Prayer reconnects me back to God. So I'm going to disconnect from the world and social media and news and entertainment and television, whatever that means to you. Just unplug it all. Don't scroll through it. Just If you've got to use it for business, do whatever you got to do, but I'm calling us to a season. we got to go back where it started, everybody. I want the same miracles. I'm going to preach about it. I'm going to preach about blind eyes opening. I'm going to preach about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to preach about praying in, in, in a prayer language that's available to you and the gift of tongues that you can have. All of that's Book of Acts kind of ministry, but you can't have any of that if you don't start where they started in prayer. It's prayer. It's prayer together. And I'm asking you, why, why 21 days of prayer now? This is the last thing I'll tell you, and then I'll pray for you. Why, why 21 days of prayer? 
Ephesians 3 and verse 16, I think, says it the best. I love the book of Ephesians. If you kind of want to know our ministry model, really, our church is kind of built around an an Ephesians church. Ephesians 3 and 16, Paul is writing to the church at Ephesus, and he says this, I pray that out of his glorious riches, that's Jesus, that he may strengthen you with power. There it is. That he'll strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being. I started praying and preparing for this message series. That's really what I felt like God wanted to do for you and for us. Is to strengthen us by his power. But not just on the surface. Deep down. Like in our inner being. Like in the places that have been broken over the last couple of months. Like in the anxiety that's gripping your mind. Like in the fear that you've never dealt with until March when things started falling apart. And now you can't sleep. Now you don't know where where all this came from. and how, How did we go from that to this? And how did it all turn upside down? We need healing and power in our inner being. Verse 17. So that Christ may dwell in your hearts. Through faith, I, I want to encourage you over the next couple of weeks to have that powerful experience with the Holy Spirit on the inside of you so that you have faith for the journey. That's really what the Holy Spirit is all about. That's really what wind and fire is all about. I want you to bow your heads wherever you are in church this weekend. Let me pray for you. Don't leave until we've prayed. Father, I just thank you that... Um, We get to open God's word together and look at the foundation of our faith. The book of Acts really is the first century church. The the experience and the methods and the strategy and the power and the presence and the miracles and the baptism. God, I, I want all of that so desperately. So God, I open my heart. Come on, pray this way. I open my heart over the next couple of weeks, to the move of the Holy Spirit in me. But I want what Ephesians said, God. I want want the Holy Spirit's power to move in my inner being, in my mind, in my heart, in my soul. God, I I want more than just an experience that's external and, and that may just be temporary or shallow. I want something deep and healing on the inside that lasts me, that, that fills me with faith again. Now, while your head's bowed and your eyes are closed, if you've never given your heart to Jesus, that's the first thing. If you want that kind of filling in your heart. Matter of fact, every every service in this series, I'm praying that there's somebody in your living room, around your kitchen table, in your bedroom, in the car, watching at work today. You can be sitting on the beach right now that you feel the Holy Spirit moving in your life such that you need that infilling I need him to fill my heart. We say, Pastor, what does it mean? Well, the Bible says when you give your whole life to Jesus that you are sealed by, that the seal of your salvation is the Holy Spirit, that he comes to live inside of your work in your life. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you know that he's calling you today, if you want that kind of power, that breath of fresh air, if you want God to breathe life back into what seems dead in you, it just takes a simple prayer like this. Lord Jesus, I thank you for dying for my sins. I believe that God raised you from the dead. I'm asking you to forgive me of all of my sins. Wash me, make me new. Holy Spirit, come to live inside of me. Come on, get used to praying this way. Holy Spirit, I want everything that you have for me. Baptize me, fill me. 
In every part of my life, I give you access. I open up my whole life to you. Jesus, be the Lord of my life. I'll follow you, serve you. Thank you for saving me, forgiving me, putting your Holy Spirit inside of me. Now baptize me with that spirit. Envelop me. Let every part of my life be permeated, filled with the Holy Spirit. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Now listen, don't move yet because if you prayed that prayer, I want to send you something. Our team would love to come alongside you and give you a quick resource. Actually, it's a small booklet called A Fresh Start with God. And if you prayed that prayer today for the first time or the first time in a long time, you came home today, if you'll click your connection card, there's a little box that says, I made a fresh start with God or I recommitted my life to Christ today. If you'll fill that out, a member of our team will send you one quick letter from me. We'll send you that resource in the mail. It would be our honor to walk alongside you in your new life in Christ. Let me end today. We always end our services giving and worshiping God. And we've never asked you to give any certain amount. We're not going to start asking you today. But I am going to ask you to ask God. Whatever God puts on your heart, just be obedient to that. Do what God tells you to do. You're such a generous church and you're making a massive difference. One of the things I've loved about this season that we've been in together is we've been able, we have been doing more ministry out of church than we ever did when we had church. Like we've ministered to more people, thousands of lives, tens of thousands of dollars. We've done so much ministry out of the walls of our church and all of that's made possible because of your faithfulness and generosity. So thank you for giving. Thanks for being at Church Online this weekend. I love you. Have a fantastic week.